0: today is taken from Colossians 3, 8 to 17. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slender, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the Creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That ends the reading.
1: The cool part about um, that uh, scripture is that it it almost uh, preaches it for me, uh, and I don't have to do too much. Just kidding. I'm going to do plenty. So um, before we begin, I want to I pray first. So if you guys would bow your heads with me. Father God, we just pray that what we hear today and... What we hear every day from you would move in our hearts and that we would be able to take off the old self and put on the new self with you this morning and we'd be able to go out and live our lives a little differently. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, obviously, we've still got all our Christmas decorations up um, and Christmas was yesterday. We had our Christmas Eve services on Friday. This does not have anything to do with Christmas, but um, how many of you had an experience this weekend over Christmas in which maybe communication with your family or your friends failed? Patty's raising her hands like, yeah. It's common over Christmas, whether it's, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen Or something like that for things to be said that maybe we don't mean. Things to be misunderstood. And with family, of course, that happens all the time. It doesn't have to be Christmas, right? But we love each other anyway. What I want to talk about this morning is both virtual and in-person communication. This is something that has been in my heart recently in watching and observing how our culture in the world has begun, has begun to affect our culture as the church. And not necessarily just in our church, I mean the kingdom of Christ in general, but unfortunately, I have to say that I have seen it in our church There are a couple obstacles for us to maneuver this morning, however. First of all, some of this might be hard to hear coming from the 19-year-old. And so that, hopefully, is not something that gets in the way this morning. Secondly, for me, I have to not get upset when I talk about this stuff. Because my young and inexperienced pastoral heart hurts when I think about the way that people communicate with each other sometimes. We've all heard the term, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I disagree. It's a really, really wrong statement, right? Words do matter. Words do hurt. It's supposed to be a a protection mechanism from hurtful comments or even opinions about you or others. But it can be very damaging. It does not solve the real problem. What if we didn't need to guard ourselves from others' words? Now, you can't control what other people are going to say to you, but you can control what you say to others. And in doing so, we'll start to change the culture in that friend group, online or in person. And the same applies to our home life with our families, and in our church, and then the kingdom of God from there. This is where the introduction of social media into our world has created some extreme challenges in the last 10 years or so. And even in the last three or four years, social media has become a political and ideological battleground. Social media is, well, first of all, how many of us have Facebook, Instagram, anything like that? Yes, this service Probably not quite as many. There's a generational difference between those that attend the the second service. However, I know, for instance, my grandmother has discovered Facebook uh, and texting, right? And so she texts me all the time. So it does still apply to you guys. Social media is, first of all, very secular, which so many things in our world today are, like music and movies and even our culture as a country has become very, very secular. The church is not necessarily a main power in America anymore. Certainly not in politics. That doesn't, but the fact that it's secular does not necessarily make social media dangerous all by itself. Because lots of secular things are beautiful and worth participating in. For instance, Bo and I... Went Last week, we went to go see the new Spider-Man movie, Um, and I won't give any spoilers, but the only character that isn't in Spider-Man is Jesus. But think about habits or practices the worldly culture has deemed acceptable. Non-medicinal marijuana consumption, excessive drinking, slanderous language, And the one that I most want to highlight, and it does affect those in my generation probably a bit more than yours, is pornography. All of these examples are in nature addictive and habit-forming, but so is social media. The dopamine that is released in our brains when we notice that someone from our political group on Facebook has posted something, or even more so when someone writes a comment on your political post, is exactly the same kind of dopamine that is released when watching porn on a screen. And that has to do specifically with the fact that you're watching on a screen, okay? And one would think that that effect wouldn't occur when someone posts something you don't agree with, right? Seeing something you don't agree with happens all the time in our world, and it happens when we watch the news or any form of media, but the added aspect of being able to say something about it is what makes it very different. In my preparation, Greg sent me a podcast that spoke to the fact that studies have shown that the more time spent watching MSNBC or Fox or any major news source, nowadays the more susceptible we are to becoming contemptuous, and divided from our fellow American, and more importantly, our fellow Christians. This contempt and division is at the moment by design, because the politicians benefit from it, the news stations benefit from it, and the social media companies benefit from it, because yes, arguing with someone on social media about politics is addictive and habit-forming, In the same way that porn is. It acts as a way of releasing frustration. And the largest problem with it is that there are no consequences. At least not right away. It's so much easier to comment about something online that is, like it says in verse 8, angry, full of wrath, malice, or slander... Because if you do say something that is that way, what's the worst that can happen? The same will be sent back to you, and all you have to do is read it from a screen. No one is angry at you in person, right? And what if you didn't mean to come across angry or full of malice or contemptuous? With online discussions, it can always be taken that way, and here's why. I want to have Elena pull up this slide. I like Bose Kilt. When you are reading this on a screen, you can take this two, three, four words, four different ways. First of all, I like Bose Kilt. I like Bose Kilt. I like Bose Kilt. Greg's I like Bo's kilt. His guitar is kind of weird. Right? So whether you're sitting there thinking to yourself, wow, I have done this. Or it sounds like something that has happened to me. I don't know. But this division, this contempt is happening in our world. And yes, My focus has been on politics, but of course, it applies to everything, even as simple as your spouse texting you, have fun with Blake. Now, wait a minute. Do you want me to actually have fun with Blake, or is it, have fun with Blake, right? In either case, social media is not going away, and as Christians, we have to use it in ways to build the kingdom of Christ and reflect the love of God That has been shown unto us, unto others. Because it says in verse 11, "Here Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is in all. Christ is all and in all. We are all the same. Democrat, Republican, Christian, atheist. We are all loved by God. And we are called as Christians to treat all the same. In verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another. That, that Don't think I need to go f- over that. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So, if this addiction to social media is the old self, the new self is specifically in what we do communicate over social media or in person and why. Verse 12 says, Put on then God's, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So what does it look like To have a compassionate heart online. To have a compassionate heart on social media means posting things that may give anyone who might see it hope and encouragement that they are loved by God. And who knows? Maybe that's exact, maybe they just got into a nasty argument with another Facebook friend. That has left them overwhelmed and hurting. And that post is exactly what God wanted them to hear in that moment, and God used your social media as a way to further His kingdom. When we see on the news that there was another tragic school shooting, instead of posting, "This is why we need bless, or "This is why we need a ban on guns." Maybe, instead, a prayer for the victims and their families that they would know God's got them in this moment. Maybe in doing that, your fellow Christians on whatever media platform it may be on would see that and repeat that prayer. And we all know the power of prayer when many voices are lifted up. Verse 13, implores forgiveness for when things are maybe misunderstood or we do fall short of communicating in healthy ways online. And in verse 14, it says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is who we are. We are not a member of a political group on Facebook. We are Christians and we are God's children and we are called to above all things put on love. The world is not participating in social media in this way. They are creating this division and contempt. And we have to forgive them for they know not what they do, but they are bringing us with them. And that's not who we are. Personally, my solution has been to not participate at all. I don't have any social media accounts, but I won't stand up here and say that that's what you should do. Ask God. Ask God because social media can be a great tool for getting people connected to churches. And we can absolutely reflect God's love through it. Because that's who we are in Christ. What I will say is there is no conversation that can be had online that couldn't, at the very least, be had over the phone, especially ones in which someone may be in danger of feeling hurt. But even better with those instances if we could do it in person, because tone of voice matters, body language matters. You may not be wanting to hurt somebody, but when they read, I like bows kilt, it might hurt. Even though in person, we aren't always amazing at it either. In fact, maybe just as often we fall short and say things we don't mean or get angry at someone when, when that does happen. It's a lot easier to reconcile in person. This new self idea applies just as much in that we fall into bad habits in our face-to-face communication skills too. For instance, I want to show you a clip from a show that my parents and I like to watch um, called Young Sheldon, and this is a married couple arguing about their children. Um, so, go ahead and watch that. Obviously, this this is a sitcom. And so, from a writing standpoint, they did really well with this because, I mean, does that look familiar at all? Maybe not necessarily with your spouse, spouse, but at some point in your life, having a conversation with somebody where everything is said back to back to back to back to back. No one's actually listening to each other, right? And it's just, nah, blah, 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 you've already decided what you're going to say to the person before they have even finished saying what they're saying, right? Did anybody have any Christmas conversations like that? You don't have to raise your hand, but, right? So that's, that is the thing that I notice uh, when I watch this clip is that the communication skills completely fell apart when they were angry, okay? Okay. Um, all they needed to do at any point was to pause for a second, breathe, and make sure that first of all, everything they were saying was actually being heard and they were being listened to, and second of all, that they were only saying things that they mean. When we're angry, we say things that we don't mean, especially when we don't pause and think. And Okay, all right. Yes, I am still angry, but I don't hate you. I don't want you to storm out of the house right now. Okay. At the end, the dad accuses the mom of never bothering to ask if he was happy or not. It seemed as though he really meant that and that it was something that had been on his heart. But the anger in his voice allowed it to come out as a guilt trip. And that's the only way it was taken. They did not bear with one another, like in verse 13. And for us as a community and a church, we have to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because we were called into one body. And it says that in verse 15. We have to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Think about that for a moment. The peace of Christ ruling in your heart. Does it? Does it when you're in the middle of a conversation like that? Does the peace of Christ rule? Is it trumping all the other emotions going around? As children of God... We are called to allow his peace to rule in our hearts. Not with an iron fist, but with a a nail-scarred hand. How? Well, like I said earlier, Paul basically preached this sermon for me. In verse 16 and 17, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, These are great instructions on how to fill our hearts with his love and peace, and in doing so, put on the new self and cast off our sucky human tendencies. Colossians was also written to a church. And so in that context, we are called to communicate with each other with love, patience, compassion, and humility. That's who we are in Christ. That's our identity. That's what he died for. And sometimes it's hard to pull these off. And it's really hard to pull these off without face-to-face communication and keeping short accounts with each other. So I would just like to ask ourselves, in any conversation we have with anyone, online or face-to-face, what is our focus? Are we listening to whomever we're engaging with? But also, are we listening to God? Is his godly counsel ruling in our hearts when we're in the midst of, a, of an angry discussion with our spouse or kid or fellow church member? Is his counsel ruling in our hearts when we see that someone has posted a, an opinion that, you, that we don't agree with, what's our focus? As we go back out into the world, I just want to go and highlight something from verse, thir- verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom Wisdom is the part I want to go over. So if that is our plan, that I want to do something a little bit different, and actually kind of old school, there should be Bibles in your pews. And I want us to go to Proverbs chapter 25. And together, we're just going to read the whole thing. Because it says in the scripture that we're going over today that we are called to seek wisdom and we're called to teach one another. Okay? So, Proverbs 25. Just read along with me. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out, as the heavens for height and the hurt and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence, or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another... Una- I'm going to say that differently. Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another's secret, lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, and your ill repute have no end. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters like clouds clouds. And wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. If you have found honey, only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it out. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club, a sword, or a sharp arrow. Trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like the one who takes off a garment on a cold day. And like vinegar on soda. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The north wind wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue, and a backbiting tongue, angry looks. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife like cold water to a thirsty soul so is good news from a far country like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked it is not good to eat much honey nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The Word of the Lord.
2: song, I want you to, to spend time in an attitude of prayer, let the words wash over you, respond to God's call to better yourself in your communication in this world. This is my worship, this is my offering. In every moment, I withhold nothing. I'm learning to trust you, even when I can't see it. And even in suffering, I have to believe it. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go If you're in it with me, I'll begin And when you say to jump, I'm diving in And if you say be still, then I will wait If you say to trust, I will obey I don't want to follow my own way I'm done chasing feelings It felt like a burden But once I could grasp you, You took me further Further than I was asking And simply to see you It's worth it all My life is an altar your fire for if you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. When you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you stay be still, then I will win. If you say to trust, I will obey. Feelings spirit me when all hope is gone, and your word is all I've have to believe You still bring water from the rock To satisfy my thirst To love me at my worst Even when I don't remember You remind me of my worth I don't trust my ways I'm trained I lay down everything Cause you're all that I want If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no If you say release, I'm letting go If you're in it with me, I'll begin And when you say to jump, I'm diving in If you say be still, then I will wait If you say to trust, I will obey You're the only truth, the life, the way